come from? Gentlemen, do you realize what we've found? It came from outer space to fill the world with terror. What earthly power can stop this terror? That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop. The from outer space. Podcast is fueled by Fosters. And coffee. Okay, and just before bags. we start, I want to tell all our listeners, happy Halloween from everybody here at the podcast from outer space. One of my favorite times of the year. I love it. I'm getting spooked. I'm watching horror movies all month long, and I get to give out candy to cool little kids dressed up in uh, cool costumes. You actually have a pretty neat costume. I, I enjoyed seeing it this Oh, weekend. yeah? You like that? <laughs> you little Unabomber action. Yeah, little Ted Kaczynski. <laughs> hey, guys. Happy Halloween. Make sure to hide your kids, hide your wife, hide your peanut butter cups, because I'm going to eat all of them. Happy holidays, y'all. Episode 7, the podcast from outer space. Here we are once again. Listeners, beware. You're in for a scare. It's your boy Rob Scott, as always. We got Adam Teabag Narlock in the house. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Brian Scott, once again. Greetings, everybody. Now, this week, it is all things R.L. Stein as we discuss his life from early childhood to his creation of the franchise we all know and love, Goosebumps, which is uh, it's actually the 21st, 25th anniversary 21st. of <laughs> 25th anniversary of Goosebumps this year. And uh, yeah, well, you know, R.L., you know, this guy's one of the most successful authors of all time. Uh, selling over 400 million books worldwide and being translated into 35 languages. So uh, let's take a stroll back to uh, Columbus, Ohio on October 8th, 1943, when Robert Lawrence Stein was born. Great name. Yes. Born to a one Louis Stein and Anne Feinstein. R.L. is the oldest of three with one brother, Bill, and a sister, Pam. Now, uh, one of Stein's earliest memories, uh, he writes this in his autobiographical book, It Came From Ohio, which is where most of the research on his life comes from for this episode. Great read, by the way. Yeah. Um, pick it up if you're interested in R.L. Stein. It's, uh, it almost reads like a kid's goosebumps book but uh yeah so one of his earliest memories he says is a scary one about whitey (laughs) kill whitey (laughs) (laughs) so uh whitey was his dog half husky half collie and every morning when he was a young tyke at the age of four it was stein's job to let him out of the garage and every morning he says whitey would come charging at the little guy and knock him flat on his back He says it was absolutely terrifying, and he wonders how his life would have been if Whitey didn't come and knock him flat on his back every morning. Another one of his earliest memories, he says he remembers uh, his mother reading him the OG Pinocchio, not the uh, Disney version, when he was around three or four. And there's a scene where Pinocchio gets annoyed with Jiminy Cricket's lectures and smacks him with a giant wooden mallet. Mm. And there's another scene where... Pinocchio falls asleep with his feet on a wood-burning stove and burns his feet off. He says he remembers these scenes terrifying him as a child. And now Stein was raised in the town of Bexley, Ohio. You guys ever been to Ohio? Total shit show. I'm not. <laughs> really? Nothing good comes from Michigan or Ohio. Okay. Worst two states in the union. <sighs> All right. Strong uh, feelings about Ohio here. So Shots fired. Yeah, he says uh, he was... He was raised in uh, Bexley, which is a small suburb of Columbus. And uh, Stein claims that aside from the dog, the attic um, in his childhood home is why he would go on to write Fear Street and Goosebumps. You guys think he hangs out with LeBron James? Um, How old is LeBron? <laughs> like 34, 35 maybe? Yeah, probably not. So, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I read in the book he's over the whole... Ohio scene. He loves everything New York. Yeah. New York, New York. Yeah. We'll get into that a little later. But uh, so Stein claims that his mom told him and his brother Bill um, never to go 
up in the attic and Stein would just lay awake in his bed all night, just staring at the ceiling, imagining what horrors lied behind the attic door. Yeah, Yo, you like, <laughs> I think that's messed up, man. Like I could just as imagine his mom being like, never go up there. Yeah. Like, you know, and then like, I'd be petrified if I was a kid, man, I would never sleep. Yeah. And, um, this is also like, just like Stephen King, um, he had no TV until he was around the age of nine. So, you know, this kind of forced him to use his imagination more. And I'm sure he thought of some creepy stuff imagining what was in that attic. And, um, you know, this, this just like Stephen King helped to uh, shape his creativity as a writer. He was uh, also an avid radio listener. He said programs that were his favorite were The Lone Ranger, The Shadow, which is actually uh, Orson Welles' pre-War of the Worlds, and Gangbusters. Those were his favorites. And uh, he would also listen to a program called Suspense, which I have a little clip for. I'll play for you guys. It's the intro to one of his radio shows. Suspense. Autolite and its 60,000 dealers and service stations bring you radio's outstanding theater of thrills. Starring tonight, Miss Margaret O'Brien in Anton Leder's production of the Screaming Woman, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. <sighs> yeah, we listened to one earlier, and that yeah. genuinely put some goosebumps on me. This <laughs> is where, yeah, this is where he says he would turn it off after the intro, claiming it was too scary. He says he never heard one story of suspense, and he used the, that fear that he felt as inspiration, which uh, would later become the Goosebumps novels. That guy's voice reminds me of like right before you go in the Haunted Mansion when they do that little intro. Rod Sterling? Is that? I thought that was Tower of Terror. Oh yeah, you're right. RIP uh, to that ride. So. Lost in another dimension. Hey, it's still in uh, <laughs> Florida. Yeah. Sounds like we're taking a road trip, boys. Yeah. So he says uh, one of his favorite radio stations was from New York City and had Gene Shepard on and that's the guy who wrote and narrated a Christmas story? If you ever seen that, great author. Make sure you check if out In God We Trust. Yeah. All others pay cash. Uh, says he loved the way that Shepard conveyed his stories to the audience, and this is what eventually inspired him to uh, move to New York City and uh, establish himself as a young writer. So when uh, Stein was seven, he moved from the house with the off limits attic and. The day he says the day he saw a for sale sign in the yard, he knew it was now or never. He had to go finally see what was in that attic. Aside from just being a normal attic, like his mom told him to stay out of there because I guess the floor was like rotting out, so it was like dangerous up there. But um, he found an old typewriter up there, which he claims is his most important discovery. And this is when he immediately began using it to type short stories and joke magazines. And he made his own comic book and spoof magazines as a kid. Also, this was like similar to Stephen King with his newspaper that he made as a kid. And also, I and my research on this one, I I think that uh, R.L. invented the meme. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he says he would cut out pictures from magazines and paste his own captions under them. I mean, if that's not a meme, I don't know what is. I mean, do we have any record of memes before this? We're going to have to do some meme research boys yeah so stein also says he fell in love with horror movies as a kid and uh he says he found the real world to be scary in itself and i agree with that yeah and this is why he would spend all day in his room writing and drawing comics he also never learned how to type you guys know how to type on a computer <laughs> yeah <laughs> i never learned how to type <laughs> uh, you never school. learn how to yeah. type you're an english major i know dude <laughs> He I says, can't see uh, too well. Is that Bill Shakespeare <laughs> over there? <laughs> he says uh, he types with one finger. So that, I mean, oh I type. Oh my God, that's so bad. Dude. Yeah, I type <laughs> with both hands, but I do it like, it's not like normal typing. I have like my own system. It's a little weird. Well, it's not like you're inputting data into. Oh yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, but uh, Essentially you are though. You're, so you write for a living. Yeah, think correct? about every Goosebumps and Fear Street novel has been typed, typed with, with one, one finger. finger. 
And um, God damn. which one do you think it is? Index. I would, yeah, right it's, index. it's his right index finger. Is he right-handed? He says he developed the fastest finger in the West. Uh, <laughs> but uh, listen, so these were some of the titles of his spoof I'll have to magazine. Ask his wife about that one. Oh God! <laughs> you went there. I wasn't gonna go there. Yeah, you. I we went. all thought it. Don't lie. Some of his spoof magazines titled were "The Giggle Book." Ha for maniacs only. Some real original titles. Stein's line. Halloween. Barf barf. And from here to insanity. <laughs> barf, barf Simpson. Barf. Yeah. <laughs> for his bar mitzvah, he says he didn't even think about what he wanted and immediately asked his mom for any ideas? What are we thinking? A new typewriter. Oh, I see a teenage Jewish boy, I would imagine a girl, but <laughs> I don't think his mom could Give him that for <laughs> bar mitzvah. <laughs> I almost said a computer, but then I was thinking about the time frame. Yeah, typewriter, more fitting. Yeah. He says uh, he was often called a nerd and a geek in school. And in the fourth and fifth grade, he played softball a lot. Oh, just like you, Adam. He says he was uh, <laughs> poor little Stein was always picked last. Were you ever picked last in softball? Never. Doesn't feel too good. he said uh he was horrible at most sports although his best sport was bowling (laughs) but even then one day he dropped the ball on his foot and broke his toe i feel like that could have been a goosebump story (laughs) (laughs) so stein was always a big football guy huge football guy uh he grew up watching the browns that's a goosebump story right that's horrifying Although now um, he's a fan of the Giants, the New York Giants, and Oof. the goddamn Jets. Hey, buddy, who won the Jets game? <laughs> You're mad at your dad, not at me. So he says he never misses a game on Sundays, no matter how many books he has to write. Big time football guy. Gotta respect that. Yeah. So he's just simultaneously just you a Giants and a Jets. I mean, New York guy, you know. Uh, yeah, just multiple a New York teams, guy you know? from Ohio. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's lived there for over 40 years. I would say, you know, have you ever lived in Philadelphia? You're an Eagles fan. Okay. Everything. <laughs> yeah. He uh, he also used to pass the joke magazines around to uh, his the kids at his school. And once he got in trouble for disrupting class and he was sent to the principal's office. Now, just listen to how much of a crack up this guy is. So the principal said, Bob, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he said... A school principal. <laughs> he says uh, they couldn't really do much um, as he was a relatively good student, received mostly A's and B's throughout school, and so he kept to his writing, but he didn't get punished by getting a cool sports writing job like King, though. He's also similar to King in that uh, him and his buddy throughout high school, they loved horror flicks, and they would go every Sunday to the sci-fi double features, and uh, Stein cites... Two of his favorites as It Came From Beneath the Sea and Night of the Living Dead. Either of those titles sound familiar? Sure do. It Came From Beneath the Kitchen Sink and Night of the Living Dummy. Ooh. So um, get into his high school days now. He says uh, he felt more and more like an outsider as uh, his family was not super wealthy as the other kids he went to school with. And uh, he claims... This is what helped him develop as a writer because he was always away from the crowd observing, which is, you know, largely what writers do. They observe and write what they see, get inspiration. And in high school is also when he got into reading a ton of sci-fi and eventually began trying his hand at writing his own novel. He says uh, it was his brother who, like, I guess indirectly caused this. He uh, refused to rake the yard one October, and that's when R.L. started his novel. Uh, In the event that there was any outside chores to be done, they would fall to Bill as R.L. would cry, I can't. I'm working on my novel. Uh, I just think uh, in the 2015 film, they do a really good job. uh, Jack Black capturing R.L. Stein in that that light, basically, as a high school outsider. That's when he starts writing and everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, he talks about that. Um, in there saying like he created his own world, you know? Yeah, absolutely. To escape, you know, being unpopular, all yeah. the bullies. Yeah. Being picked last, last in softball. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> he also cites one of his uh, biggest influences as the Twilight Zone. Loved everything about it, including the twist 
and something unexpected at the endings. He says that uh, elements of the Twilight Zone can be found in some of his stories. So um, now we'll get on to his uh, college days. Um, Stein's alma mater is the Ohio State University. Yeah. Uh, He graduated in June of 65 with a BA in English, and he was also the uh, star running back of the football team. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he... um, Actually, Ezekiel Elliott broke his record um, when he was there. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. He was still horrible at sports. (laughs) At Ohio State, he became the editor of the humor magazine, The Sundial. And this is where he picked up the pen name, The Jovial Bob Stein, because he wanted himself to be a running joke throughout the magazine because he thinks of himself largely as a joke. You know, it kind of sounds like my life. (laughs) Jovial. Yeah. This is another one of his like crack up pranks. This guy is hilarious. Like R.L. Stein and reading about his life, this guy is hilarious. I would love to hang out with him for have a, a day. Have a beer with yeah. him? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, he says since they mostly had male readers, they would photograph a girl, like a, a student of the month, which was a girl, to be featured. So it's kind of like Playboy, but they weren't naked. Like uh, Tommy Boy. Boner of the month. Boner of the month. I think that needs to be a new segment on our show as well. (laughs) We're taking out Just Google It for Boner of the Month. Oh, we're keeping Just Google It. We've got a good one for you guys at the end. Pulling his little jovial pranks. He says they put in a picture of a Hollywood model instead and said she was a student. (laughs) And this was the highest selling (laughs) magazine they had with 8,000 copies. And they put the student senate phone number as her number in the magazine, and the student senate, like all the you know all the political yahoos, their phone was ringing for three days straight. And eventually, one of the uh, student senate members pretended to be the model and gave out Bob's home address oh. <laughs> so that people were showing up there. You know, this is classic uh, disappointment. Yeah, there. this guy's this guy's quite the prankster, which uh, he even keeps that going uh, post grad. Can I touch on a uh, similar prank? Yeah, go for it. Um, one of my first jobs after high school, working at the old Round Table Pizza. <laughs> Great job, not. Um, I had this bitch of a manager, man. Just, ugh, ugh. Anyways, one day, so we got this like communal tip jar and. She's all counting out the tips, and it was like $5 for her, like a quarter for everybody else. $5 for her, a quarter for everybody else. I think I ended up with a grand total of like $1.50. So I spent my 50 cents on the pinball machine and on my dollar bill. I wrote for a good time call and put her personal cell phone number on the dollar (laughs) bill. Did she ever say anything? Oh, dude. She was complaining at work all week. Oh, I've been getting really weird calls from people all over America <laughs> asking for a good time. All over America? She said like Arkansas, uh, New York, probably Montauk, Indiana, Department of Montauk. Energy. Yeah, hey, I'm looking classy. for a good fucking time. Uh, <laughs> what are you doing tonight? Oh my God. So, you know, if you, anybody ever really grinds your gears, put that number on the back of a dollar bill and see what happens. Yeah. So now we'll get into post-graduation. Upon uh, graduating, Stein, he had to save money. Uh, he wanted to move to New York City, so he got he took a job as a substitute teacher. Mm. Oh, just like you over there, teabag. Um, <laughs> That's Mister Teabag to you. <laughs> yeah. So he says this was one of the hardest jobs he ever had because you know it's basically open season on a substitute. You know you're not going to do anything. You know you can cut class you can give them fake names you know is this, is this kind of stuff ever happening you kids still pull these kind of pranks you know for me they're pretty good uh we watch a lot of the sandlot do you guys still have the uh tv that's like strapped to the roller cart or well, is that like a thing of the past now i think that's, a that's thing. definitely I mean, a thing in the past i would got assume. like smart chalkboards Does, now don't kids have like tablets and they shit? they got their own ipad yeah they're all in watching class? it in class i swear dude yeah. i was like yo don't Jesus spoil that Christ. for me i haven't seen it yet so yeah. there's just like a screen in the projector basically now like the projector is connected to this like whiteboard it's smart dude you got to be smart technology so when you want to show them something you just use that that's pretty tight yeah yeah it, it is pretty sweet i won't lie 
Yeah, so uh, eventually he became a full-time history teacher, and he says he found this challenging to get the kids to gain an interest because he wasn't even interested in it himself. Been and, there, uh, been there. Yeah, so here's a little pro tip for you, Adam. Um, he told the kids, I mean, I'm sure you already, you're, actually your bar idea is probably cooler than this, but um, he told them if they did all their assignments and were good throughout the week, then Friday was free reading day and they could bring whatever, even comic books. He figured, hell, I like comics. Maybe they will too. I like and, it. Yeah, and maybe they'll have some that he hasn't even read. So yeah, he would sit around with the kids on Fridays and uh, read comic books with them. And um, this, is Im- this is important because um, Stein claims that this year as a teacher gave him real-life experience with observing children, uh, their behavior, mm. how they spoke to one another. And this helped him uh, greatly in developing the uh, Fear Street and Goosebumps, like the dialogue between the kids and, you know, writing them for the audience, which is largely kids. I think that's pretty genuine, pretty <clears throat> real. Yeah. Um, so in 1966, he had finally saved enough money to move to New York City. When he was living in New York City and looking for a job, he lived off a loaf of rye bread and a package of sliced bologna every week. He said that his first job was a production job for a stock investment magazine for 7k a year. In what year was this? 66? Uh, yeah, 66. Good lord. Um, so he says he was fired <laughs> his first day on the job because he had basically uh, bullshitted his way through the interview you know who doesn't yeah and um honestly then he was hired as a writer for a hundred dollars a week to work for a lady who he says introduced herself as nancy and nancy ran 16 fan magazines out of an office in her apartment and uh they were basically spoofs of popular teen magazines already on the market and uh one of his first assignments was to write an interview with country star glenn campbell so stein asked if she had his phone number and nancy told him no you just take these pictures i've i clipped from this other magazine just make up content and uh, this is the National Enquirer. Yeah, <laughs> Washington like, Post. She said the stars like he asked her, hey, does anybody like sue you for just putting out these bogus interviews? And she said, no, the stars love any publicity they could get. So um, they never sue the magazine for phony content. And uh, Arl worked for Nancy for about a month before the company went under. And he said he probably wrote close to 100 phony interviews. God, I wish that was my job. Yeah. And uh, this, uh, like, NYC is also where Stein met his wife, Jane, at a party in Brooklyn that he almost didn't even go to. Real bombshell, by the yeah, way. Yeah, Good yeah. Good for our yeah. man. Um, he says he remembers her long red hair and she had a terrible cold that would later clear up in two weeks. And that's when they decided to get married. Two, two fucking weeks. weeks. Good you call know she's on left-handed. Two weeks, pal. <laughs> she had to be. This guy sounds a lot like Adam. Yeah, uh, you know, you know, we're hearing about like his childhood and stuff, and like, besides being like not good at sports, I really do feel a connection to this man. We need to have a beer next time I'm in New York or next time you're in San Diego, because I know you're listening to this, Mr. Stein. We're getting together. Who you're listening? I'll bring the oh, beers. Yeah, I'll bring the. If beers. he does a book signing anywhere by here, we are going. I'm oh, pretty yeah. sure he was at Comic Con, dude. Don't say that. I swear to God. So um, 1968, he was hired to work at Scholastic Inc. as a staff writer uh, for Junior Scholastic Magazine. And this is where he really came into his own groove. He worked for Scholastic for the next 15 years. And this is where he got a, uh, a feel for like fast-paced writing since mag- the magazines he worked for were published weekly. He was constantly having to write and he claims this is what helped him to be able to churn out so many Goosebumps novels so quickly. With He's, one finger. Yeah. He <laughs> says that uh, books are slow compared to uh, magazines. Dude, do you think anyone ever said anything to him? And he's like, oh, I'm here for this writing job. They're like, oh, yeah, just go ahead and type this out. And he's like, one I mean, fucking probably finger. Probably not. I mean, he's churning out great content. So hey, who cares? If he's yeah. selling books, doesn't matter how it's typed. That's very true. Yeah. Um, so eventually Stein went on to create his own young adult humor magazine called Bananas. <laughs> and this is when he was still at Scholastic. Another crack up guy, comedian. Uh, he used to send around fake office memos yes. just to fuck with people in the office. Like one example, uh, he sent out a memo that read, 
wear your raincoats tomorrow and be sure to cover up all your papers as we will be testing the overhead sprinkler <laughs> system all day. Uh, he says a lot of people believe that one. Uh, guess they didn't appreciate my dry sense of humor. <laughs> and, uh, at this job was where Stein got a call from an editor who wanted him to try his hand at children's books. Stein went on to publish his first book, How to Be Funny, in um, 1978. And uh, his first book signing, he wore a pair of like bunny ears, like the kid from Gummo. And, uh, like just to be funny and because he was still going by jovial bob stein and um guess how many books he sold and signed at that signing one just one <laughs> yeah, he says, i guess people didn't think it was too funny like this is why he eventually took on the pen name rl so that people would take him more seriously when he started like getting into the horror genre instead of jovial Bob. Yeah. <laughs> but, just uh, sounds a little creepy. Yeah. So he says his, um, son, Matt was born in 1980. And, uh, by this time he was like writing full time from home. Um, bananas had gone out of business and eventually he became the head writer for Eureka's castle on Nickelodeon. This was his first time, uh, writing, uh, for TV. You guys remember that show? Lots Eureka's of Castle. nostalgia in this episode for sure. Yeah. I had like little puppets. Yeah. He wrote show. like the, he wrote like hundreds of scripts for all the puppets and stuff. And he had 10 staff writers working under him. And in 86 is when he published Blind Date. This was his first young adult horror novel. And um, this is where he eventually got the idea to write a horror novel. He says at the time um, there were very few horror novels made for kids and um, young adults. So on a tip from his publisher, it seemed like a good fit for him. Always been into horror. And um, all in all, it took Stein about five months to outline, write, and edit Blind Date, which uh, became an instant bestseller, followed up by Twisted and The Babysitter, all of which became bestsellers. And after the success of these, he got the idea for a series. And um, this is where Fear Street was born. This was published in um, 1989. Do you guys remember any of the uh, the Fear Street novels? Kind of like precursor to Goosebumps. They were a little more, I guess, graphic. I think I read some of them after. But I mean, like Goosebumps was always like the first time I would think of was exposed to R.L. Stein. Yeah, a little before our time, coming out in 89. Great year, by the way. Yeah, uh, this the, like uh, the Fear Street series uh, quickly became the most popular young adult book series in the U.S. And um, one day his wife, Jane, suggested that maybe oh. he should write books to scare younger kids to add more humor, less gore. And um, one day the idea came to him when reading the TV guide um, an ad said that Channel 11 was running horror movies all week. It's Goosebumps Week on Channel 11. It's like the, the precursor to Shark Week. Yeah. And uh, thus, Goosebumps was born. Uh, the first one that he wrote was Welcome to Dead House, July of 92. He, he wrote this in a little over 10 days. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, he said he wanted Goosebumps to feel like a roller coaster ride. Lots of thrills, twists, all while feeling safe at the same time. So uh, Goosebumps, you know, series of children's horror fiction novellas created and authored by Mr. Stein himself. Um, there were 62 books published under the Goosebumps umbrella from 92 to 97. Obviously started with Welcome to Dead House and the last one being Monster Blood 4. Um, at one point, Goosebumps was selling 4 million books per month. That's crazy. That's outlandish, dude. Yeah. Eventually, it led to TV shows, home videos, T-shirts, games, and puzzles. Um, Stein says he always enjoyed reading fan letters from the kids, which there's some really great yeah. ones we'll talk about. Um, oh, here we go right here. Yeah, like he see, he seems to be like a really like uh, friendly guy with like his fans. Like he loves his fans. He loves hearing from his fans. I was watching a couple interviews with him, and it said he actually goes on like fan websites that are made by like kids to see like how they take his books and how they're received for you know his target audience just a real genuine down-to-earth guy man. yeah and he says uh one of his favorite fan letters was from a boy who wrote dear rl stein i've read 40 of your books and i think they're very boring 
God damn. (laughs) So initially, uh, R.L. Stein actually didn't want to do Goosebumps because he really enjoyed writing Fear Street and he thought in creating Goosebumps, some of his audience like for Fear Street might be lost because he was creating books geared more towards younger children and Fear Street was kind of like a young adults series. I don't know if you guys actually knew this, but his process is a little backwards. He said, when I write, I always like to know the title first, then the ending comes next because once I have an ending, I can figure out where I want to spook and scare my reader. Yeah, that's pretty much like the opposite of King. Like he says yeah. he doesn't want to know like the ending or anything. Like he works well, yeah, like, I feel like most writers, I mean, Ryan, you should know this, the work beginning to end rather than, but I mean, I guess, I don't know, to each his own. Yeah, I mean, there, cool, there's cool definitely, I think, a lot of writers that do it that way. It's just, yeah. Yeah, so the original collection of Goosebumps was only 62 before they started to progress with it. And then after that was the Goosebumps 2000 series. And... Give Yourself Goosebumps was the next collection, so it ends up being a total of 196 books. So pretty crazy. Um, he, All with one finger. <laughs> he actually says that Brain Juice was his favorite because it was about a purple liquid that these guys drink that made them smarter and smarter, but eventually they got like too smart for their own good. And that came from the Goosebumps 2000 series, which uh, when I was researching, I skimmed over. Like there was a couple of those I read, but I don't ever remember that one like sticking out to me. You guys ever read that one? Not uh, no. not so much the Goosebumps 2000s. I love the Give Yourself Goosebumps, though, the whole... Uh, you know, game book series written from a second person point of view where you assume the role of protagonist while you're reading and you have to make choices. Yeah. Kind of like uh, Mad Libs. <laughs> it's like fill in the blank, Mad dude. <laughs> it's like an alternate ending. Yeah, not, you can like pick and choose. Yeah, but you don't, you're not like filling in the blanks. You read a couple pages and it says, if you do this, turn to this page. Yeah. If you do this. Yeah, well, kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of like yeah, so the original series was from 1992 to 1997, and then in 98, they picked up the 2000 series. So at first, he thought it was just going to be those originals. And then I found out Tim Jacobus, I don't know if I'm saying that right, <laughs> was the artist that created the book covers. And there's actually, it was weird. So he only did 60 of the original 62, but would go on to create 100 of the 196 covers. So that, well, that guy's cool. badass. Some of those covers scared the frick out of me. Yeah. And he didn't, he did like all the uh, OG ones. So originally welcome to dead house is the first of the series. As we said, uh, RL Stein thought that it might be too scary for kids, but released it anyways. When I was reading that, that was actually, actually one of my favorite books it's one that is the only one i did not read of the original 62 man dude it was it was pretty scary it's scary i don't know what it was like so that one ghost beach the headless ghost you guys remember that one yep the guy walking down the stairs yeah 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 yeah, and then deep trouble Ooh, great one even though I was a little bit upset, the cover is like a guy like diving and then there's a big ass hammerhead shark. Nothing in the book about a hammerhead shark. It's like about a mermaid instead. I was like, what the fuck is this? But uh, yeah, what were your guys' favorites? Uh, definitely wipe your damn ghost feet. <laughs> Probably one of my favorites. Uh, I really enjoyed all the monster bloods. I don't know why. I just think that first one with like that blue and yellow cover and the slime coming down the stairs. Oh, yeah. That sticks with me forever, man. Yeah. And then uh, I think the one Ghost Camp, like I, I can remember the colors of the book. That's what Craig, like, I don't know. The covers are like. The one with the, it was like just the kids, like, it was like clothes. It was like, like clothes were, and yeah, hats were like coming out of the kids. Camp. Yep, yep. All Boy <laughs> Scout status with their brown and orange uniforms and their neckerchiefs. Yeah, yeah. those I remember those a lot. Yeah, I got, uh, well, for my, well, the one that scared me the most was uh, Curse of Camp Cold Lake. Ooh, that cover. Good one. Um Night of the Living Dummy, classic. Uh, he actually got the idea for Slappy the Dummy from Pinocchio, as his mom used to read him the OG version. And he says he always liked the idea of a wooden puppet coming to life. And then the other one was, that I remember the most was Curse of Camp Jelly Jam. Oh, Just that creepy, like, fat dude or lady. 
Which Rose, one is on the cover? You decide. Yeah. There's a choose your own adventure right there. Dude, do you think there are any Goosebumps books still at the house? Because I was reading, there's actually like some very rare. Oh yeah, like, I was I was gonna look ones that, that up. weren't reprinted. Yeah, um, we were trying to find like ones that were banned, but uh, yeah, I I guarantee there's still some at the house. Side note on the whole uh, Night of the Living Dumbing story. As a kid. And I just want to thank R.L. Stein for this because without him, I never would have finished the book it stuff and never would have gotten all the free pizzas I used to eat from Pizza Hut. Oh, yeah. Everywhere I went, I either had Goosebumps or Calvin and Hobbes with me. Like, <laughs> everywhere. Like, literally, one time I was in second grade, I was trying to piss and read Night of the Living Dummy at the same time. I Where were you pissing? Big mistake. In the in school the bathroom. In a plane? <laughs> <laughs> no, was... <laughs> Keep it flowing, buddy. No, I was reading. Now it is your problem. <laughs> Did you um, pull down your pants to your ankles to use the urinal when you were reading it? <laughs> I think I was in the I was in the stall, but my pants probably were around my ankles. <laughs> oh, <laughs> drop the damn book in the toilet! <laughs> and like I was super sad. Like I didn't even go back to class. I just sat outside the bathroom and started crying. And the janitor came out and fished the book out for me. Oh, man. And, like, dried it off and everything. <laughs> that was the ultimate homie right there. Yeah. You So you pissed on this book? Peeing on the bike. <laughs> no, man. I think I finished my business, flushed uh, it, and then I dropped it. When you're pulling your pants up from around your ankles, <laughs> yeah, it's it a, It's a two-handed job. It really is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Another little side note. The goosebumps collection when they first hit shelves were banned in most uh school libraries it was more banned than the anarchist cookbook in 1999 Mm. on the most controversial book list yeah i was reading it wasn't like they were banned they were just like challenged by a lot of um like parents and librarians to get them banned but a lot of them got overturned and like they weren't banned that that cracks me up like as a kid like i was you know, rightfully terrified about by these books, but like, I wonder if any of these adults had actually read the books. Because like, going back and reading through some of these and watching the TV show now, like, they're it's, hilarious. It's hilarious. Yeah. Man. Well, dude, I feel like also the the homie uh, Tim Jacobson. What the fuck is this guy's name? <laughs> Tim Jacobus. Dude, some of those covers make it seem way creepier yeah, than the right, books actually right. are. The covers were definitely scarier as a kid than the reading material because I remember the covers the most. Right. Because as a kid, you know, I mean, I don't know how you guys were, but I always like picture books better than reading. Words are hard, dude. Yeah. We can't even read as emphasized on this podcast. Yeah, Rob used to read them to me. It scared the bejeebies out of me. Great big brother right there. Yeah. True story. Some of you may recall from your childhood, uh, there was a spinoff of the books turned into a TV show. All-time classic. Oh, Yeah. You know, aired from 1995 to 1998, four seasons featuring 74 episodes. 43 of the original 62 books were adapted into TV episodes. It originally aired on Fox Kids right here in the good old US of A, starting in September of 1995. Uh, The series was also shown on Cartoon Network for a few years starting in 2007, and it is currently available for streaming on Netflix and iTunes. Fun fact for you guys out there. Check it out next time you're giving us a good five-star review. <laughs> what were some of y'all's favorite episodes as uh, from the show as, as Young Tykes? Young Tykes? Uh, dude, I think the one that I still remember the most is the one where the parents are aliens. Dude, all right. This is a question for all of our listeners. What episode was that we went through like three times i went through like four times could not find that episode i Dude, remember I we had it, it on the other VHS. day it's called like our parents are aliens or something are, like is, that. are you sure they're aliens or they're monsters they're they're pretty sure they're aliens well i i, I just questioned because i was walking watching all the episodes and stuff and uh there's one where it's like the kids they're like twins and it's their birthday and their parents are like oh we have a surprise for you at midnight and they're like they invite their friend over and like the parents end up eating the kid and they're like, don't worry, this is perfectly normal. Oh, no, no, no. It's not that's that. Not I that. remember okay, that okay. one, but no, it's like their parents start acting all weird and then they start watching them when the parents think they're not around. And eventually they find out that they like, they like peel their faces off and they're like aliens. Yeah. Are you sure you're not thinking Beetlejuice? 
Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, <laughs> Beetlejuice. But yeah, I, okay. Was it in the original um, series though, or was it like a standalone? Because I looked through I all four seasons multiple times, watched nearly every episode, and did not find it anywhere. And um, also, we were talking about, are you afraid of the dark? Oh, yep. Okay, another question. If any of you guys know this, we couldn't find it anywhere. Do you guys remember the episode? What Which one was it? Yo, I swear. it. There's like a clown, and there's like this blue liquid. And I feel like they're in like a parking garage or a hospital or something. And the I, clown is just everywhere they go. Yeah, I want And it's not, it's not Crimson Clown. And right. it's not, uh, what was the other one? I can't remember the name. Zebo the Clown or yeah, something like that. It's not that bad. one. Oh, man. It's some other clown one. We cannot find any evidence of it anywhere after countless hours of research. I want to say it was like one of the last episodes they made and it was so scary like they had to ban it or something like yeah i remember being terrified after watching it for weeks like yeah oh going back to the goosebumps show weren't there like some uh famous child actors got their uh their starts on that show definitely a a handful of well-known names appeared in at least one episode starting with our boy First off, I want to point out that all these, <laughs> the show is filmed in Canada and a lot of these actors are Canadian and you have to love the accents, right? Sorry about that. About that. <laughs> we were cracking up. Canada in the 90s seems like the most wonderful place in the world besides all these people being dicks to each other in this show. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyways, we have Hayden Christensen of Star Wars fame, right? Oh, yeah. Darth, he, young Darth Vader. Oh yeah. Episode two and three. He actually starred in uh, Night of the Living Dummy Part 3, uh, Adam West, old Batman. Oh, Batman. R.I.P., right? Yeah, yeah pull one out. Attack of the Mutants. Attack of the Mutant, singular, not plural. Laura Vandervoort. I'm going to butcher that name, but please, please do yourself a favor. That might be our boner of the month right there. <laughs> she, uh, segment? Yeah. Okay. I'm, let's, I'm starting it right now. It's official. Laura Vandervoort uh, of Smallville and uh, had a role in Ted as his overly sympathetic female co-worker. I don't remember if you guys, don't know if you guys remember that. Uh, I, have, I haven't seen Ted in a while. Watch it. Uh, she was in Rob's favorite book, Deep Trouble. <laughs> Just no shark, I guess. Uh, Colin Mockery from Whose Line Is It Anyways? The bald guy. <laughs> He's a, he has a cameo in Bad Hair Day. I literally think he has one line. I went back and watched that one today. Great stuff. And of course, your boy, Ryan Gosling of The Notebook. Oh, and the new, if you haven't seen it, go check out the new Blade Runner. Awesome movie. Dude, that is actually a great episode of Goosebumps. It's uh, Say Cheese and Die, right? That is correct. Yeah, it's a classic one. But yeah, those guys all, you know, at least one episode have an appearance. Nostalgia. Um, read somewhere that the TV show is actually has been described as the Twilight Zone for preteens growing up in the 90s. I think that's a pretty fair reference. Yeah, pretty fair reference, I'd say. Um, yeah, so, you know, RL. Basically, you know, what can we say about this guy? Hilarious guy, loves his fans. He's putting out great content. Estimated net worth of um, $200 million. You know, one of the most successful children's authors of all time and um in the end of his books he's got a couple of uh faqs in here a couple of frequently asked questions so um more info for you guys um how many books have you written in your life rl he says that he's written about 330 damn son all with that one finger and um (laughs) That includes scary ones, joke books, funny books, adventure books, choose your own ending books, and so on. Um, what inspired the uh, Monster Blood books? He said his son had a uh, plastic container of green slime and he stuck it to the wall and couldn't get it off. And uh, this gave him the idea for the first Monster Blood book. Who didn't do that as a kid, though? Yeah, uh, there was. Do they still make like slime toys like that? Kids are making it. Oh, that's ooh, that's one of the things that bothers me the most. Kids make this homemade stuff, bring it into my classroom, and get that shit all over the place. Homemade and, stuff. Yeah, dude. I'm t- if you go of. on YouTube, I guarantee. Type in how to, and one of the first things that will pop up is like make homemade slime. And you know what? This is karmic retribution 
Sorry, mom. It's karmic retribution for all the times you would buy me gack and like homemade ooze and stuff, and I would throw it on the walls and, and you those, had to clean it up. I remember always those little sticky guys with like sticky balls for yep. hands and feet, and you throw them on the ceiling, and get them stuck. <sighs> those are classic. Dude. Yeah. So um, Stein's favorite author, he says he's got three favorites. Two of them are British. Uh, P.G. Woodhouse, who wrote hilarious Jeeves and. Worcester novels and Agatha Christie who wrote 79 really clever tricky mysteries and his favorite American author is Ray Bradbury uh, classic yeah Um, he loved what he wrote and when he was a kid his writing made him want to read books so this other one he's got uh, did you ever have an encounter with worms big theme in his books very prevalent throughout the books and the TV show. Yeah, he says when he was a kid, he used to cut worms in half oh. and watch the two halves slither off in different directions. He says, I guess the worms are paying me back because they keep showing up in my books. <laughs> Real creepy cat. And uh, how long does it take him to write a book? He says about six weeks for A Fear Street and three weeks for Goosebumps. And, or 10 uh, days for the first one. And yeah, he also like uh, spends at least a week outlining each book first. That's so, crazy. Yeah, man, that's man. insane. Yeah, one finger. This guy's just churning out Goosebumps novels oh, in like a book a month, weeks. Man. Yeah. That's guy's a savage, dude. And then uh, last one. So you might be wondering what kinds of things scare RL himself. He says uh, he doesn't scare easily, but a few things have scared me. I'm not really scared of spiders, but the movie Arachnophobia made me scream. I don't like being in complete darkness where I can't see a thing in front of me. And he says he enjoys Stephen King books, and the scariest book he ever read was Something Wicked Comes This Way by uh, Ray Bradbury. This book really gave him goosebumps, he said, which that's a uh, classic. If you haven't read that, definitely check that out. You can really get a sense for... um, how that book kind of inspired some of RL's writing. And how about the uh, 2015 movie, Jack Black? You guys seen it? Fans? Yes. I saw it when it first came out. Did you like it? Watch bits and pieces of it doing research for this uh, episode. You know, I thought it was right. good. I like it. Right. If you haven't seen it, you got a couple more days before they take it off Netflix to check it out. Ooh. Uh, yeah, the movie, uh, like you said, released in October of 2015. It's uh, Focuses on a teenager who moves to the small town of Madison, Delaware with his mom, only to find out that his new neighbor is none other than young adult horror author R.L. Stein himself. The jovial. The jovial Bob Stein. Um, as it turns out, the monsters that made his book famous are real, and Stein has to protect his readers by keeping them locked up in his own personal collection of the books. Yeah, he said he wanted to do that... Um to like also appeal to like our generation that grew up on his books. That's why um, they wanted to make the film like a collaboration with all his books. So you have, it's like a movie for kids, but then it's also got like odes to the old books in there, you know, that a lot of his audience grew up on. Coincidentally, all of us kind of grew up on your shit. Yeah. (laughs) It's definitely an homage, a tribute. Yeah, it's awesome. And what'd you think of uh, old Jack as RL? I love Jack Black. Uh, every time I see him, though, all I can think of is School of Rock. Yeah. yeah. And he says he wasn't trying to do like a real life depiction of R.L. Stein. He was just trying to make like a more sinister version of him. But at the same, like uh, in the same light, I feel like Jack Black trying to be serious. So hard to take him serious, man. But he like he's <laughs> he's not serious. And I feel that's exactly how R.L. Stein is. Like we think of him as this like creepy, serious dude. But then. You know, you watch YouTube videos. Yeah, you and he's just like a normal dude that's it, just like... You want to get a beer with this guy. Yeah, hilarious. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite quotes from the movie, definitely uh, Jack Black, as uh, R.L. Stein says, Let me tell you something about Steve King. Steve King wishes he could write like me. I've sold way more books than him, but no one ever talks, talks about, about that. <laughs> yeah, And they've uh, even, I think they announced... When did they announce it? February 6, 2017. Uh, it was announced that the film, the new film titled Goosebumps Horrorland, is going to be released in September of 2018. Might have to go check that guy out. Shit, it's been confirmed that Jack Black will reprise his role as R.L. Stein. And the filming's actually scheduled to begin this month, so. Yeah, so 
they're probably already filming it. But I mean, much like R.L. Stein, they're just cranking this shit out super quick with one finger. Anything else we want to uh, mention about old R.L.? Fastest finger in New York. In the West, dude. <laughs> probably in the U.S. Okay, so this week we oh, have got okay. a great, just Google it for you, that Adam stumbled upon in his research for this. Two, I think there's two really good just Google it. <laughs> okay. Um, First off, uh, the old R.L. Stein, the YouTube video you sent us for research. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. Google that if you've never seen, if you've never seen or like heard R.L. Stein, just Google some videos of his interviews. This guy's a crack up. He's got a a video on Funny or Die that's pretty funny, and he has this other video. It is called it's like a day in the life. Of R. Yes, R. Stein or something like that. It's called uh, R.L. Stein is a happy guy. Oh, please give check that, that out. Soon. Yeah. Uh, the other one I stumbled upon just recommended for me while doing research. <laughs> please check this out. Beanmeister 22 post videos. Uh, this one is called black widow spider versus giant centipede versus scorpion versus giant house spider Battle Royale. <laughs> okay, and just give them give them like the gist of this. This is absolutely unbelievable. It's phenomenal. So this guy finds insects in and around his home. Apparently, 157 black widow spiders to date. Uh, collects them, puts them in like a found in my home. <laughs> <laughs> puts them in like a glass see-through vase and just records them like fighting each other. He's got this great like sports announcer. Yeah, he like play. dubs over it. Like, uh, this <laughs> like, guy is the Mike Vick of insects. It's like a voiceover. <laughs> oh, <on> it. <laughs> and it's just classic. You just have to witness this for yourself. Bean, B E A N Meister 22. Please check this out, man. I'll put I'll put um links to the just Google it's in the description for this one. And while you're doing that, why don't you leave us a comment, leave us a review. Maybe uh, you like it, maybe you hate it. Either way, let us know. We love hearing what you guys have to say. We appreciate you taking the time to listen and give us some feedback. Yeah, thanks so much for listening, guys. And um, once again, happy Halloween. Um, What else we got going on? Anything? Maybe you could hop on over to the Instagram page, give us a follow. Podcast from Outer Space. No spaces in there, though. Also, hit us up, email, once again, podcastfromouterspace at gmail.com. And nothing really going on tomorrow night besides handing out some candy. Huh? Huh? Candy. Oh, yeah. Um, one more thing just before we get out here. Shout out to at watercooledale on Instagram. We saw your story. Uh, ordered the book, Tom's book, Tom DeLonge's book, Secret Machines. And well, so we're going to go through that. I've got a lot of good feedback on our UFO episode, so we'll probably um, include that in our next one. We're definitely going to do another UFO episode, so stay tuned for that. And um, thank you guys again so much. Um, Happy All Hallows Eve, everybody. Have a good time. Stay safe out there, guys. Thanks again for listening, guys. Like Ryan said, be safe out there. Check your candy tomorrow for make sure nobody's putting any weird stuff in your kids' trick-or-treat bags. We I got a damn bag for a face. <laughs> so long and thanks for all the fish. I get those goosebumps every time. I need the hymen. Throw that to the side, yo. I get those goosebumps every time, yeah. When you're not around, when you throw that to the side, yo. I get those goosebumps every time. I wanna press my line, yeah. I wanna press my. I wanna green like I wanna be like I wanna press my line, yeah. I wanna take that ride, yeah. I'm gonna press my line. I wanna green like I wanna be like I wanna press.